This is Beyond Your Limits with Rob Dubois. The podcast that helps you destroy self-limiting beliefs, unchain your potential, and create the meaningful life you were made for. And now here's your host, Navy SEAL founder of Impact Actual and the Impact Unchained course, Rob Dubois. back a little before my SEAL career here, quite a bit before actually, back into high school, the days when I was forming the person that would become the man that would become the SEAL that we talk about on Impact Concepts and the radio show here and all the things we do. In high school, I was a fan of Conan the Barbarian, got into his novels early on and and saw Arnold on the big screen. For all you youngsters, it was actually a real movie and a real theater at one point, not just a DVD. And I I loved the idea of being a bodybuilder because Arnold was a bodybuilder. So I got into that for a while, a couple of years. And I read a book by Franco Colombo, a peer of Arnold's, an amazing bodybuilder back in the day. And he talked about mindset, his own experience one time, going into the gym down in Muscle Beach, probably where he probably was training there. And he uh, would go into the gym every day for his workout. And there was this one bench with a bar and X pounds on it. And every time it was his, his max weight and he would walk past that bench and stop and lay down and push that weight up one time. And no matter how many times or weeks and months passed by, he was working on all of his other exercises and all of his other strength areas. He would get on that bar and pull it off the, off the rack one time and push it up one time and that was his max weight. And he would go about his workout as usual. One day he walked into the gym lay down on the back, on the bench, grabbed the regular bar with the regular max weight, pushed it up one time, put it back on the hooks and turned away. But he, he noticed something unusual about the, the plates and he stopped and looked back and realized somebody had added something like 10 or 20 pound plates to it. It was dramatically higher than his max weight he could ever do before and he had done it without effort. He hadn't realized it was, it was a different number. The bar was what he expected it to be, his maximum, and he pushed up another 20 or 30 or 40 pounds without any extra effort because of the way he assumed it would be. In other words, his mindset. And that's our today's concept is is about mindset, the high impact mindset. And I've got a very good friend who's on today who knows a lot about mindset and actually runs his own podcast show and does his own speaking events and talks about mindset and the operational mindset. Op Mindset is the brand. And Jeff Bamman is the man. And Jeff, brother, welcome aboard. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. It's good to Good to get to hang out with you again. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's been years, hasn't it? We were actually, years ago was in San Diego, I think. Yeah, I think so. Down in Sandog, we got together in person for the first time and started talking about these ideas. Let me give the audience a a catch up here. Jeff Bandman is a recognized leader in the area of human performance and human behavior in high stress environments. He's got over 30 years of experience across multiple domains, including the fire service, U.S. Army SOCOM, and Central Intelligence Agency. He now serves as as the chief operating officer and chief human performance officer for a global fitness brand. And we're going to unpack several of those things as we go through this episode today. I want to go back, of course, as a ranger, you know, Jeff and I have to not like each other because (laughs) we have this fun rivalry between the green and the blue. But we're peers, to be very honest, you know, dear friends and, and, and deeply respected professional acknowledgement of each other's experiences. That's where we come from in SOCOM in general, by the way. For those who may be late to the game and not realize that, it's not about the SEALs, not about the Green Berets, not about the SOCOM or the Rangers or the MARSOC. It's about 
individuals doing their own parts and playing key roles in the big fight, which is what society is. It's a, it's a microcosm of society. We have florists and bakers and shoemakers and seals. And as always, Eric Bond, our producer, welcome aboard. What's happening, gentlemen? We're fitting to change some minds today. <laughs> Let's say expand some minds about the mindset. It. Do it. It's all about the mindset. Jeff, I want to dive right into what you're doing today, and we'll rewind, yeah. kind of go back. And can you unpack this idea? You and I were talking offline about the the weighted, the imbalance, imbalance of the body mm. with sandbags, for example, as, as mm-hmm. one example. We, we know about Franco Colombo pushing a bar, which has a fixed weight on it, a fixed framework right. and the fixed bench. What happens when you start doing unusual things to the body and the balance and the core? Yeah, you know, this has been interesting. So we... You know, we came on board and moved into Brute Force mid or early last year. And I've known these guys for a long time. And, you know, you see in general kind of sandbags out there in the market in various ways. But most people are just kind of picking up, carrying them to a spot, dumping them off. The unique thing about Brute Force is the actual sandbag itself is the OG. It is the original eight-handle fitness sandbag design ever. You know, it's been around for almost a decade. The guy that designed it was like, hey, we need we need to advance this level of training. And so let's put handle configurations on there that allow us to do virtually any and every movement. And then over time, we begin to put science behind it. And then, of course, you know me, Rob. If I step into something, my science brain and geek brain takes over and says, hmm, what's here and why are we doing it this way? And the foundation of kind of the sandbag workout or uh, kind of broaden it out to the unstable load odd object, we call it Yulu workout is, it's a different dimension really. It becomes a very visceral expression in fitness in a way. And when we're doing that, what we end up doing is we're working a lot of neuromuscular connectivity. We're working a lot of the connective tissue. Uh, I often compare it to you know, if we go out and buy a, a high-priced car today, that car driving down the road is doing a million calculations under, you know, that you're not even seeing. Tire pressures are changing, shock pressures are changing, everything's kind of modifying based on the conditions you're in to give you a smooth ride. What do you experience as the driver? A smooth ride. You don't even know everything that's going on about it, uh, going on around it. And so by integrating kind of the unstable load training into a fitness plan and then combining it with a few distinct practices like breath work or mindfulness or just kind of wrapping everything in together and we can get get more into that here is what what our approach is there Uh, you're training all those that human system to give you a smooth ride i mean this is and and this will come out right this is what i've told people for years this is life is about being able to have the internal state or internal conditions inside me match the external conditions. And unfortunately, for most of us, we're either so wound tight from something, our central nervous systems are perpetually dysregulated or you know, have perpetual tension locked in them from childhood trauma, life trauma, et cetera, going, you know, going through, that we are either over or under the external conditions. You know, it's, you walk into the family at the end of the day, work's been piled on top of you. One little thing happens and, you know, you're out of scope. Uh, That's a, that's a dysregulation. Um, That is a, an internal 
capacity that is not matching the external conditions. And so, you know, the question becomes in all scopes of life, whether it's fitness or whatever, even if you're not a fitness person, how do I begin to train myself, develop myself in a way that I with that I am regulated and regulated to me is internally, I am matching the external conditions. If I'm in a firefight, I need all that goodness. I need all that extra juice. I need those things going on, you know, to execute my mission. If I'm in a uh, negotiation or if I'm, you know, trying to have a uh, solid moment with my partner, you know, of connection, I, all that I need to be there and present. And so, you know, this, this life of exploring the humanness has been so rad and it has been such a, a continual process of discovery that I don't know, man, I think we're, I think we're on the threshold of, of some new things that begin to really change the game in a lot of ways. I love that you mentioned humanness because that's what we're talking about here. Dude, it's all of it. Yes, you have to be 100% aggression in a battle, in a fight. Yep. You have to be fully present, fully aware. And mm-hmm. one thing I talk about with jiu-jitsu students is this idea of sensitivity. People really hate the idea, oh, no, that's not manly, that's not butch, that's not so calm. Yeah, sensitivity. Understanding what's happening around you, being sensing. Let's change the term from sensitivity, mm-hmm. which is stigmatized and touchy-feely, to mm-hmm. sensing. Being more aware is never yep. a bad thing. Knowing better where right. the guy's probably going to come from, the attack vector is going to make me better at defending against that, or getting out of the way or blocking. But at the same time, when we're dealing with a small child who's feeling terrible about being you know, picked on or pushed down by the big bully, that's not the time for, fuck yeah, fuck yeah, let's go, come on. You know, right. That child is not prepared for that kind of energy. That child needs a completely different part of the human. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but a lot of us men don't. And Eric is a huge champion on the, the men's area of understanding, you know, what a balanced man is and teaches that being a real man involves also being able to be gentle, kind, nurturing, aware, present, yeah. supportive, silent yeah. sometimes. Just be mm-hmm. there. Don't fix me, the wives always say. Stop trying to fix the problem. Just hear me. That's what wholeness and that's what humanness is. Yeah, man. You know, it's been so, you know, in this trajectory over the years, I mean, I've you know me. I mean, I've taken on every modality, dove into every program, everything. <laughs> Basically, if it's out there, I've done it to explore and examine and understand at really deep levels. And what's been interesting, I would say the last four years, there have been some consistent things that keep coming up for me. One, the idea of emotional labeling to sensation in the body. So, you know, how do you feel? I feel happy, I feel sad, I feel something. That's, if you ask anybody how they feel, nine times out of 10, they're going to give you an emotional label. Problem is, that emotional label was created somewhere by somebody, redefined by someone else, okay? So, so this, this idea started to come to my head of going, okay, let's, let's set the emotional labeling aside for a moment And matter of fact, let's just set everything nose up aside for a minute. Let me get out of my mind. Let me get out of my brain. Let me get out of my thoughts. Because if for anybody who's explored this world, I think you know, all you're doing is trying to make bigger monkeys to fight other monkeys in the head back and forth, right? I mean, Buddha said it best. We are nothing but an an Indian elephant nose down 
trying to be controlled by a bunch of monkeys on top. And that resonated with me years ago and stuck. And that's kind of been the, some of the anchor of my view into the human system. And so as I looked at this, I was like, all right, let's just try for a minute. Let's just see what happens. You know, I can, I've got all the mental constructs. I've got all the tools. Yeah, I can do all this stuff. And I'm still failing in certain areas and I'm not making the progress I want. So maybe that's not the answer. And what I did was I stopped, I stopped labeling things. And then I began to just touch sensation in my body. And so I would explore and be like, wow, I feel really, I feel a lot of tension in my system today, or I feel fluttery, or I feel light, or, you know, and just descriptive words to the sensations I was experiencing, kind of nosed down in the central nervous system, understanding what those were, and then over time, kind of exploring those sensations. Fast forward, here's where I, here's, here's the coolest discovery that I've come to at this point in time, and this is relatively new. And so I'm doing my thing. I'm unpacking the crap out of this to understand it. Uh, so recently, I ran for about a year, a lot of tension in the system, a lot of system overwhelm. I, I, I started to understand, hey, I'm not overwhelmed. I'm actually depleted. I just didn't have any more capacity in my system for anything else, right? I just didn't, couldn't get there. Exhausted, physically exhausted, mentally exhausted, emotionally exhausted, drained, fully depleted. And so started to take on doing some systematic energy work in some ways. And ultimately what I got to was uh, this place of zero. You know, I have taught for a long time that the human system really works on one core question, which is, am I safe or not? Like that, if I tear everything else down, the only thing that matters to me as a, as a being on this planet is, am I safe or am I not? And today, unfortunately, while we are maybe more physically safe, we are a lot less safe in many other areas. Am I safe to say this, do this, be this, feel this, communicate this, project this, whatever. And so if that's at the core of our central nervous system that we are generally 99.9% .9 of the population walking around unsafe all the time, then we're not in clarity, right? Our system is not working functionally well. And so in this process, I got to, I finally, I believe I have discovered what safe feels like in the body and it feels like nothing. Uh, you know, I baselined, zeroed. Uh, I got in this session to a point where literally I had no other physical sensation in my body except my body working. Heartbeat, blood flow, breath. That was it. No, no other competing sensation, no one needing anything from me, no expectations, nothing, not searching for anything, not wondering about anything, just blank. <laughs> the most radical feeling I've ever experienced in my life. And in that, what occurred was I sat in it for probably hour, hour and a half or so. And what occurred in that was so interesting because it just allowed everything to settle, everything to just kind of disperse over time. Then what was truly unique was the person that was supporting me in that as I kind of sat up and just sat in it for a minute. She came over, big hug, kind of wrapped up just this nice, warm, loving, hey, I got you energy wrapped up into the space. So I'm, I'm at zero in my central nervous system, no sensation in my body. I feel this 
this massive wave of stuff come into my central nervous system. Don't know what it is. Sit with it. Start to cry. Check in. Am I sad? No, I'm not sad. I've got nothing to be sad about. Am I grieving something? No, I'm not. You know, kind of go through the emotional question processes. And what I realized was my system was just being overwhelmed by a sensation coming at me. That's it. Like it was just overloaded. Didn't know what to do. And so, you know, my body just kind of purged that energy in a way. And that came out as crying. And I sat with it and just breathed through it, allowed my system to disperse and re-regulate. And in that moment, man, it was just, it was crazy. And since that point, I have to tell you, like baselining back to zero every day has been crazy easy. And the, the clarity, it's like my central nervous system is just literally like full system reboot. Oh, no tension, no excess in there, right? And clean. I mean, at, at now, you know, 47, I, I, I feel clean in so many ways. And, and so this is the interesting point that I would describe it to look at. And, and Rob, you and I can kind of explore this. But my theory right now is that level of no uh, sensation in the system is probably close to where we are in the womb, right? And, and then birth occurs, traumatic event, a lot of overwhelm to the, to the central nervous system in that process. And, you know, it's like if you go through a birthing class today, there's a lot of like, you know, well, you got to get skin to skin contact immediately after birth. And there's no real science behind it. It's just kind of fluttery out there. Why? But I firmly believe that that overwhelm or overload is the originating sensation in the body that if not supported, because, you know, at birth, we don't have cognition. We can't navigate those things for ourselves. If not supported by the parents to then help return to safe. And then through child, early childhood development, instead of telling your kid, oh, are you happy? Oh, you must be sad. Oh, you must be angry. Oh, you must be frustrated. Oh, you must. Let's just, let's just train them to help start regulating their system, distributing the energy and returning back to that zero point, you know, as we go. And so this is, this is kind of a new path here in a lot of ways. It's a very interesting space to have gotten to. Hey, Jeff, could I, I just mm-hmm. want to hop in with something really quick. So yeah. backstory, and, and this is something that I've actually, the last part that you mentioned there, I've thought about. So when I was, when I was an infant, I had pyloric stenosis. So, mm-hmm. and, and which if for people that are listening that don't know or any, you know, Jeff, Rob, when you're an infant and pyloric stenosis, you're, you can't keep anything down. You projectile vomit everything up. And you basically dehydrate yourself. So you can't keep any fluids down, any food down, anything along those lines. So I have a nice, wonderful scar on the side of, you know, my torso that's, you know, about six inches long. It's funny when people see it, I tell them I got to stay up playing tennis as a joke, you know, to kind of deflect from (laughs) (laughs) what actually is going on. But I've always wondered in my, you know, those, those newborn to infant stages when I had all of that stress. And then my doctor, thank you know, family doctor at the time, thankfully caught that within 24 hours of me passing away. Like it was literally right. that close and they got me to the hospital and the doctor turned around and looked at my, my mom and dad and said, listen, this is a 50, 50 shot. He's not even strong enough to operate on. We have to mm. build him up to, to a point of being able to operate on him. And then it's, you know, it's 50-50. So I've always wondered that early stress 
in my life from birth, in those few, few months that I'm alive, to that major surgery, mm-hmm. me almost not being here, and then obviously that recovery process and going, I've always wondered what that has done to me, you know, on a much on a much deeper level. So it's interesting that you that you talked about that. Oh, deeper level, uh, Matt. Absolutely. I mean, that's the well. And if you think about it, like like how are your parents? What energy projection? Because you know, at that stage of life, all we're doing is pattern matching, right? And we're not pattern matching just in physical motion or movement. We're pattern matching in energy, and so. You know, how much fear was in your parents? How much fear sensation did that load back into your system, right? Because you're you're energetically pattern matching them. And so, you know, I think there's there's probably more, but really there's kind of three core things that get embedded on us in a pattern early on. It's either uh, a high level of uncertainty, it's a high level of fear, or it's a high level of trust or broken trust, distrust. And those get transmitted to us. Like mine was trust. Mine was, you know, always trust. Like in the session, I had this constant battle. Can I trust myself? You know, and I have plenty of data that says says no in certain ways and then had to really map anchor into the data that says, yes, you can. So, you know, it would be wild to explore like what, what those originating sensations in the system are and then how they then ultimately get labeled through the process. Um, and then where do you end up? Right. And so that, I think if we're not, and I would say most of us never got returned to zero, very few of us got supported in regulating ourselves and learning to regulate ourselves. That's why by, you know, adulthood, we have all these stories and all this garbage and we got to dive into the mental constructs and we got to sit in therapy and we got we got to do all these things, right. Just because that's the way it goes. And, you know, it'll be interesting to me now to see in this place, can we begin to learn the full set of minds in the system and step away from trying to fight the battles, fix the problems, deal with this, and really begin to get nose down into our central nervous system in a new way. I mean, that was that was all the training and development stuff we did uh, through my time at the agency and then after was all understanding minute shifts in heart rate variability to variable stress conditions, how that impacted cognitive function, awareness, and performance. You know, we examined that we were a, what I would call us a nose up force. So we were a very thinking, logical, you know, Western culture force fighting and dealing with a nose down group of people. Uh, you know, you get out in the world, they're not necessarily fully educated. Their, you know, brains, their thought patterns aren't as developed in a lot of ways and they don't need to be. They are highly instinctual, intuitive people. Like they just smell it on you uh, instantly. And, and they're extremely successful in that way. And over time with the way Western culture has gone, we've lost touch with that in a lot of way. And, and Jeff, I think people, well, I mean, I don't think I know that most people approach life from a scarcity mindset Mm. and Mm -hmm. they also you know you you said a lot earlier uh, you know that i took as like identity you know you're you're Mm. attaching identity Mm -hmm. to certain things and it's really a lot and it's like you know just I, i look at my my own self and the work that i've done on me 
it's been very hard for me to change around that scarcity, approaching things from a scarcity mindset. And, and the things that I say to myself, I have to now catch and say, mm-hmm. no, you have to say things this way. And once again, going back to that fight or flight when I was, when I was an infant, that fight or flight mentality and, and survival and, you know, am I going to be here? Am I not going to be here? Even though that was, I was a little guy and it was all subconscious. I think a lot of that is going right back, you know, right back to then. And, you know, I think in, and I, I did a lot of, recently I did a lot of work kind of on myself and identity and like how, what am I attaching my identity to? Am I identity, am I attaching my identity to me as a coach, me as a father, me as a husband? And I found that I was attaching my identity to things that were taken, that can easily be taken away from me. Mm-hmm. Not attaching myself to an identity that cannot be taken away. And I think mm-hmm. 99% yep. of people out there do that. And that all goes, ties into scarcity. And well, yeah. And, know, and ultimately, even if you, yeah. And if you drop that down a layer, right, this is, this is where I, this is, <laughs> this is my, this is where I become a pain in the, in the butt for most people, right? Cause I, so let's, you know, if you look at that, okay, scarcity mindset. Where is, what is that a derivative of, right? So, so let's get that out of the head. Let's look at that now into the body and look deeper into the originating sensations that got established right here when you had no, you know, to me, the subconscious is not, and I, I just had a video of this up on, uh, on my Instagram channel or reel or whatever. It was like, you know, I don't view the subconscious and it gets taught a lot as like, you know, there's some little Jeff quiet voice in the background, you know, talking to me back here that I can't actually hear, you know, and to me, what's the subconscious? The subconscious is the lower level central nervous system, kind of the original line, you know, brainstem, spinal cord, the recording device within the body. So early on, you know, you come out of the womb, one, you don't understand anything going on. You have no capability to process or cognitively understand what's happening. All you know is perpetually your system's off and you are unsafe, right? So your body is registering to you at that age, unsafe constantly. So one, internally, you're trying to match, move, whatever, and that triggers the fear mechanism response within the body, right? So your your central nervous system is working overtime. My guess is your parents we're probably locked in that space of fear as well. Holy shit, we're going to lose our son. You know, we don't want this. And so there's this, so you have this collision of uncertainty and fear going on in everyone's central nervous system at that time. So then there's this originating sensation that gets locked in place. And that's the memory that's stored in the body during that time. Now, as you grow up, that gets expressed in a variety of ways. So, you know, the path that I'm now exploring to understand is how do we move people down a line of, of releasing that originating sensation, right? Of, of giving that freedom to disperse and re-regulate so that you can return to zero, you know, and it's not a, you know, space of stillness. It's not like I've been, I've been close quite a few times, I would say. And I've been in all kinds of spectrums. However, have never gotten to that pure blank space. And 
you know, and I think that becomes the heart, mind, body conflict that we constantly deal with. And we're, and again, we're living up here in our, you know, nose up world, trying to logically explain, deal with, dissect, understand, you know, and there's a lot of money to be made in that space because I can live in your head and take your money for the next, you know, 20 years, 40 years until you exit, you know, stage left and still not be there. So, you know, I, I'm, you need the mental constructs, like the mental constructs I've learned over time from a variety of formats have given me an extreme capability to navigate this internal conversation. If I didn't have those, I wouldn't have been able to get there. So this is not a, a statement against any of the work because you have to do those that work. You have to do that layering, that identification, that understanding, and then, and then be able to navigate what's coming up, right? In order to identify, disperse, and release that energy. But man, I mean, I... I know the the most you know the people that have been around me the longest they've always known it's like man there's this there's this energy transmission that is coming from me there's something there and you know that to me is the curious place to now unpack explore and and develop from because then we become you know we're working on a new program right now called the anchor leader uh, the anchor dad the anchor family right and it's all about re-anchoring to me it's it is one, discovering the elephant. What are the physical sensations in my body? Two, re-anchoring the elephant, right? So I'm re-anchoring the patterns that exist in my system from birth forward into new patterns and releasing those. And then going to be like optimizing the elephant. How do I become clean most days? I mean, the I would say the mental clarity I have today over since this time I'm not having the arguments in my head I would have forever. You know, I see Rob laughing. <laughs> you know, they're just not happening. It's There's not this battle going on. And and like, you know, some things come up and then they just flow and go and just, just I'm in a point of execution more than I've ever been in my life. And so, yeah, I mean, it's taken a freaking 30 years of studying this and understanding this to arrive at, to me, kind of the simple place, but but so cool. I mean, just, yeah. So that's, you know, Eric, I think that that, so you can battle in the identity space and in those things that's giving you so much awareness. Then, then how do we go to the next layer and now say, okay, cool. I've learned all that. Now what's actually going on down here that is tension or disruption or dysregulation that I need to release, that I need to work on just getting out of the way so that then whew, clarity occurs all the way through and my system becomes fully aligned. So Rob, I, you look like you're itching to say something. Actually, I was, I was responding to several things you said. One is this idea about the argument in the mind. I think that's judgment. And I think judgment is trained to us and then we perfect it. Self-judgment. You stupid so-and-so, like me, spill the milk, uh, drop the cap from my water bottle. Oh, you idiot. <laughs> Well, where does that come from? I wouldn't say that yeah. to anybody else. In my recovery program, we have this guy that he's like, you know, if you treated me the way I treat myself, I would kill you. And I think that's a really profound but simplistic statement or maybe simplistic but yeah. profound statement. I would, anybody treating me like the way I do on, in that argument in my head, they'd have the wrath, you know, and hell's yeah. coming with me because that's not okay yeah. to treat people that way. Yet we do it yeah. to ourselves. And 
you know, we are three men right here who come from a very, I don't mean judgmental in the sense of um, <clears throat> like ENTJ or the uh, the different uh, personality types. Not oh, judgmental yeah. in the necessarily oh. natively born, but in a nurture form in Special Operations Army, in Special Operations Navy, in the athletic world of competition mm-hmm. uh, as a soccer star and a coach, uh, aggressive, uh, assertive coach going for the wins. We have been told to subordinate our pain. We have been told to hide it. And by hiding your pain, as I'm dealing with right now through post-traumatic stress therapy, I realize I've, I, I can take any pain, it seems, uh, like anything and survive. I, I once, to prove how tough I was, I copied Mr. Joshua from yep. Lethal Weapon. When he was proving his loyalty, Gary Busey had to hold his arm over a lighter and let it cook his arm. I did that one no. time, just to show I could take anything. And I don't think it's bad to be tough. I think tough yeah. is good. But as we say in, the, in our teams, if, if you're going to be stupid, you better be tough, right? Well, how about we get smart and tough? Let's do those two things together. Man, I mean, yes. You know, it's, it's, I've gone to now when I teach, especially fire service, law enforcement, military. Like my first, my first opening line is, listen, here's the, here's the number one rule. I'm not even going to introduce myself yet. Here's the lay of the landscape. If you cannot, for the next however long we're going to be together, Take judgment and set it aside. Then do me a favor and just leave. Because one, judgment is the barrier to growth. 100%. I firmly believe that. We come from worlds that are like highly, like it is embedded. You are, you are, you are developed to sit in constant judgment. Who's this guy? What's his background? Do I, can I trust him? Is he full of shit? Is this snake oil? Blah, blah, blah. All this other stuff. Like if you can't set that aside for the next 90 minutes and just, I'm not saying you got to believe me. I'm not saying you got to take anything I'm giving you. I don't care. You know, however, if you're going to sit ruminating in judgment for the next 90 minutes, one, you're not going to get anything from this. So don't waste your time and my energy. And two, you'll impact others around you. So and there will be no judgment if you leave. Like there will actually be a massive level of acknowledgement that you are that person and and you get up and, and I've had a couple people leave over time, not badly. And I'm like full acknowledgement. Hey, I appreciate that because they know that you can't get out of space, man. So yeah, I, <laughs> that is the, that internal, bleh, uh, man, it's, it's gnarly. And that's what I was talking about regarding suppressing our pain. Mm-hmm. When we do that judgment of others and ourselves, primarily ourselves, uh, is it snake oil? I mean, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a necessary process for soft teams to be very discriminating. I mean, everybody wants to make a knife and sell it to us, right? They'll send us, here, 100 knife makers send you knives. 10 different dive kit producers will send you dive kits. This is the one, this is the one you need. And we get so much of it. That's why That's why the soft cats are so discriminating in that sense and so quick to judge and quick to reject because we don't have time to waste time on your knife that you told me is the, the bee's knees when the last one I got from this other company that said the same thing, it snapped. So the suspicion is baked into our process and justifiably so, but we have to throttle back on that to be humans. Dude, so much. And if we can train, if we can develop, if we can just begin to incrementally shift judgment to discernment, Right, because discernment is a very high quality capability within ourselves to discern what works, what doesn't, right? And and use all our facilities. You know, discernment is not judgment. That's two total ends of the spectrum, right? And so, you know, I always challenge people, I'm like, okay, if you're trapped in that cycle of kind of perpetuating self judgment, why don't you just 
leverage discernment a little differently? Why don't you, you know, begin to assess things? You know, because yeah, we don't, I mean, all of that one, what does it train us to do? Not trust ourselves, right? We, we, we sit in the anchors of, oh, I screwed this up. I failed that. I made a wrong decision here. Right. That led me there. And that, you know, stuff. And we don't look at all the things that we did do well. You know, hey, I did choose this. I, you know, I took this path. I learned from that. You know, I mean, there's always that experience, that heritage of experience to be developed and created over time. And so to me, that's discernment. That is, what did I get from this, good or bad? You know, it's like, it's funny. I mean, you'll love this when we were doing all the stuff at NSW and all the other things. You know, the first questions I ask the guys when we come back in from the exercise, you know, the rules were, I need you to answer this question and you can only answer it with one of two words. That's it. Nothing else. And... And so they'd all sit around. I, I get the agreement from everybody. That's it. No, nothing else. I'm going to go around the room. And the question was, did you produce the results you wanted to produce? And they could only answer yes or no. That's it. Nothing else. Like I wanted them to learn to sit in a powerful yes and a powerful no. Yes, I did. Or no, I did not. Period. End of sentence. That is discernment. Cool. Doesn't matter whether it's a yes or no. We're going to explore and unpack each one. However, if I can look around and go, no, I didn't do what I wanted to do. I didn't create the outcome or the result that I wanted to create. And that's, there's just a no about it. It's just that flat and that easy. <sighs> now I'm sitting in a place of discernment. If I answer with no, but well, this, that, right? And I start to run on because we all want to be like, well, you know, if Rob had done his job, then I would have done this. And then we, I would have succeeded, but exactly right. And, but you didn't. So it's either a yes or a no. And when we get to that place, that to me is a, that is a training mechanism to move from judgment to discernment, right? Just powerfully. Yes, I did. Cool. How can I do it better, faster, easier next time? No, I didn't. Awesome. Let's take a look at why and unpack that so that then we begin to learn where along the lines we had, you know, we got off course and didn't end up where we wanted to end up. It's that easy. I mean, and there's no judgment in that place. It's just, yeah, it's exploration and discovery. Judgment tends toward the negative. Mm, always. As Eric has also talked about a lot, the eight primary emotions, five of which are negative. Mm -hmm. We, and that goes back to cavemen surviving saber-toothed tigers. I'm going to assume this is going to be shitty because that way I might be alive tomorrow. Mm -hmm. If I'm wrong, Cool. Uh, yeah. <laughs> there's nothing wrong if it turns out good, like extra, that's gravy. But but assuming I'm going to get eaten by a saber-toothed tiger will help me be very aware to the reality of that. Right. That goes back to what you're talking about, about being in stress, in fear, in anxiety, in danger. I wrote this down too. Am I safe? I love that question because as you, as you described, in environment today, the, today's society, we are in danger mentally, emotionally, intellectually, because we have disinformation as one example of the threat in the ecosystem. Mm -hmm. It's a contamination uh, of what is true, what is real. And people who are in a constant state of wondering what is true, what is real, automatically are in a condition yellow about their safety. It may be unconscious, but they have to wonder, do I even know what's true? Mm -hmm. I know there's no saber-toothed tigers. I got that part. Right. But what is true about who wants to kill me and who wants to hate me, who wants to destroy my political party, who wants to take down my economic system, who wants to destroy my race? Yeah. I mean, a lot of white racism is based on a terror of being erased as a, as a race. 
which is absurd because there is only one race, the human. The ethnicities, you know, people fall in love and they make babies, and if they happen to have different ethnicities, things change. But that's not the same thing as the conspiracy theory of erasing the whites, yes. which is one of my pet peeves. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, I, I think if you begin to ask people down the line, if you take anything and, and, and walk them down to where they're not safe, right? That's, I'm getting down to originating source. I mean, that's really the deal. Like, I think that that, that becomes the mastery level stuff of being able to assess. If I have a, if I have a dysregulated feeling in the system, meaning, you know, I go through this process where now, if I have a sensation in my body that is, let's just call it uncomfortable or off, whatever. I mean, you don't even have, it's not good, bad, nothing, right? Then I look around at the actual conditions I'm in to pattern match to say, okay, does this sensation match this world? And if that is, oh, I should be nervous because I'm about to do X, Y, and Z. Okay, then the next question is, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling a little unsafe here because I'm unsure, I'm uncertain. And, you know, if I'm about to get on stage, of course I'm going to be a little nervous. Who's not? However, does this level of energy match that? And if it, and if it doesn't, I can breathe into that and then begin to regulate my system so that I have the goodness I want to step out on stage and be good and be powerful. And, you know, that nervous energy is good because it means I care. It means I want to do well. It means I want to deliver. And I want to use that to step in and be who I need to be in that moment. However, if I'm way off, then it becomes like this exploration of, okay, why do I feel so unsafe right now? What is, what is going on that, oh, I don't feel confident in myself or, oh, I'm worried about being judged or, oh, I'm, you know, like I, I begin to understand all these external projected or internally created sensations that I've got from that garbage voice in my head running. So I can just kind of breathe in and release those and be like, no, dude, you're good. I can re-anchor my sense of trust. I can, because no one else can be responsible. No one else can answer that question. Am I safe or not for us? We are the only ones, period. Doesn't some of that go into preparation though, Jeff? I mean, the, the better prepared you are. It goes into all of it. Yeah. I mean, like in the, like Rob mentioned up front, like the operational mindset course I developed 15 years ago and now I've taught over, you know, probably 12,000 people with uh, the calculation I came up with to try to explain what an operational mindset looks like was where we took your foundation and your experience, right? Because we do this training, right? We go to a training class, we learn something and we test and we now know we can do something, right? That's kind of life. If I go to a corporate job or I go in the military, basic training, yes. And then I can execute the tasks. That's only an ever one for one exchange. I learn a class, I can t develop a skill, evaluate the skill. Yes. If I go out and run an op or run a house fire, run a call, I get one experience that then begins to kind of incrementally move me up. What I did was I looked at what what expands that, what puts the exponent on the, my foundation experience, and we discovered that that was openness, which is measurable, right? Which is a composite of humility, imagination, and something else I can think of right this minute. It'll come back to me here in a second. So that all that that stuff comes into play. Ultimately, what we're trying to produce is what I refer to as our C3, which is our comfort, confidence, and creativity. When I interviewed 
the best of the best from multiple industries, not just out of the special operations community, the intelligence community, but business, pro athletes, people that really perform at the top of their game consistently, not just the flyers, but consistently, this is what we found. One, they have an immense capability to be comfortable being uncomfortable, being okay in the environment they're in. Self-trust, right? Which leads to number two, which is confidence. Faith in myself, faith in my training, my experience, my capability, which leads to number three, which is creativity, just the capability to figure it out. And Rob, you know this, right? I mean, a circle with an X is a circle with an X, but no circle with an X is the same, right? There's always going to be something different. No two incidents, no two ops, no two moments are the exact same. And so being a SEAL or being an operator, being an Airborne Ranger, is more about the ability to navigate conditions as they exist rather than doing it the same way over and over and over again, right? That's Being what trained makes, for anything, yeah, that's, not for everything. Yep, that's what makes a top-tier And that's in the self. Yep, individual, a top-tier individual. That's what enables, you know, you to drop Jeff off in some country alone and figure it out and, you know, enables Rob to, you know, correlate a team and go hit, go master a target because... You don't know what the conditions are going to be and you don't know what's going to change. And so you have to be in this fluid capacity, highly confident, highly comfortable being, you know, dysregulated, being in this space and have this ability to be like, okay, cool, we'll figure it out, <laughs> you know? And so that is, that's kind of the, the patterns I begin to look for. And, you know, your C3 is scalable. It may be down here. And, and I can incrementally move that up and increase that over time so that my faith in myself, you know, I used to call it, Rob, you'll like this, and you know this from traveling the world, right? I call it the two-week stink. If you go into a new country for about two weeks, you have this, this aura about you that anybody native knows you're new, you know? And it takes, on average, about two weeks to kind of wash that off and settle into the flow and then... You know, the people start leaving you alone because they kind of, they get this energy sense that you're okay. So how, how quickly can I wash that two week stink off, right? To it's actually an FNG thing yeah. that goes into society. Yep. Like an FNG in a platoon mm -hmm. is like, oh, I know that guy on site. He isn't, he's looking around like, am I in the right place? Yep. The same thing is true in a foreign culture yep. or in a foreign classroom yep. or going from junior high to high school. You're always the FNG and, uh, and, and it is perceptible. Yep. And that confidence is so key to creating effective thinking, mm -hmm. you know, creating the white space, you say, to be able to make better decisions, which lead back to more competency and leads back to more confidence and it leads to better decision-making in the cycle. You've actually opened up more questions for me than answers in this, <laughs> in this one job, episode. We got to do another one. We got Well, you know, you teased recently about having something coming up in the works about the mysticism combining the metaphysical and the, and the, and the physical. I think... I want to I want to bring you back and talk about that stuff too and open in several of the questions I haven't even been able to touch on. Yeah, I mean that's really this that's really this getting to zero. That's that's what we're you know, mm -hmm. I um Yeah, that's powerful stuff. Because being able to be in complete alignment inside and outside as you said, matching the internal conditions to the external conditions, that is balance. Yeah. Ultimate that's what that's what a, a, a perfect, I mean, the wave or the water, cup of water, a pond, they just sit exactly where they're supposed to be. And the, the surface is exactly how it's supposed to be. And if some condition, some external condition, a rock throws in or a fish swims up, mm -hmm. that is where the disruption happens at an exact proportionate level and then restabilizes instantly by the perfect nature. Dude, uh, yeah, man. I mean, I think Gravity that's, is it. 
that's the new body of work to me. It's now how do we, I still feel like in most contexts, we're still very separated. We're still very head up, voice and head management and, and haven't really gotten to understand, you know, the body in a new way and how to match those regulation points and how to put us in, in full system alignment. And I, you know, and I, I, I think, you know, am I safe and am I not safe? I also throw this one out to people. I say, stop judging where you are and just ask yourself, am I regulated or dysregulated? Because you can feel that. You don't have to label it. You can just go, oh, I'm off. I'm not, something's inside is going a little haywire because we all know when we have tension or energy in the system. And instead of describing it, you know, to me, the definition right now, the working definition, because you know me, I'm always, <laughs> you know, we'll get there at some point, but I'm very honest about like all my exploration. I never, I never say this is it because I, I don't know that I'll ever be at it, but I encourage people to ask themselves, am I regulated or dysregulated? Regulated means my internal system is matching the external conditions, right? That's simple, right? I, I can, I can get that. Does the energy inside match the conditions I'm, I'm faced with? Or two, am I dysregulated? And am by dysregulated, the energy inside does not match those conditions. And in not matching those conditions, now my job is, what do I need? Most times that's a couple of rhythmic breathing, you know, cycles of rhythmic breathing, a couple moments of settle, you know, 30 seconds out in the car before you come in the house, like understanding my natural points of transition. Just literally, you know, I don't care how you breathe, just breathe. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to go do Wim Hof. You don't have to go. You know, breath work is so amazing in so many ways and is such a phenomenal toolbox to have. But at the end of the day, just a simple rhythmic breathing for about two minutes a day changes the entire scope of life. So it settles the still waters. Yeah, that's it. That's, that's, that's it. a, as you say, it doesn't matter which technique people are. There's been 10,000 versions for 10,000 yep. years of people being taught how to yep. breathe. But the key of it is the mindfulness, doing yeah. it mindfully. I mean, we all breathe all day long because the alternative is yep. obvious. So we know we're breathing, but when you do it mindfully, yep. It changes your game and your confidence, and and it actually is a practice of love for the self, which yeah. is what we need to do a lot more. You know, of. that was, if you don't mind, I'm gonna throw one more thing at you, Rob, here real quick. But you've mentioned this a couple of times, and we had this interesting conversation a while ago about love, right? So what is love? And I text my good friend Sherry Walling, who runs Zen Founder Podcast. She's a psych, and just she's a badass. I mean, she's just a total badass psychologist. I text her one night, and I said, "Hey, I have a question." I said, what do we think about trauma as a wound of love? Now, what if we looked at love equal to capacity? What's the sensation of love in the system? We've always been trying to describe what love is. And, and I had this thought of, listen, if I fall in love with someone or something, my business, my animal, another person, my partner, my children, whatever it is, when I am in that pure state of what I would call love, right? That descriptive element to it. What do I have internally? I have a maximum amount of capacity for that, right? I love my business. It's great. It's wonderful. You know, I don't see everything that it's, you know, doing to me right now, or I love this person. I'm like, I just have this immense level of capacity to 
process and flow through whatever's coming at me. And over time, that capacity starts to diminish. Why? Because things will begin to eat away at my capacity. And so one of the ways I now anchor in the idea of love is in my capacity. Like how much capacity do I have? Because that, if we look at it, you know, somebody said the other day, sit around the fire, they were like, man, but you know, it's just love is the answer. Like if we could all just find love, you know, and love each other more and everything else. And, you know, we, one of the guys is a really naysayer kind of, you know, he's a sharpshooter. I love, I love that he is. And he's like, well, that's, you know, that's crap. And I said, and I jumped in and said, okay, well, let's, let's remove the word love and let's talk about capacity. If we all had more capacity for each other and ourselves, how much better would off would we be significantly? Right. And so as I explore what sensations are in the body, that state of love, because we've all been there at some point in time, that wide open, if you think about how much capacity you had for that person thing or whatever it was at that time, immense, right? Immense capacity. And so over time, all these things, you know, this traumatic event at birth, not regulating the central nervous system, all these lingering originating sensations that are stacked up in our system, those are all eating away at our capacity. And eventually over time, we just don't, we're just out. We're just out because we're only human and we're going to be out. And so all of this to me kind of flows back into this space of, whew, how much capacity do I have? You know, I mean, two days after the event, I was rushing to the airport. It was going to be late. I had a person go at 25 miles an hour, you know, on a 40. I'm like, get the fuck out of the way, you know, yelling at them. However, that happened for an instant and there was no sensation attached to that. Like I was free to be frustrated and irritated without any attachment to it, without any garbage flow with it. And so my capacity didn't deplete because of the interruption in my space. I was able to express whatever I was feeling and just return to zero. It's like, yeah, it's not a bad day, <laughs> you know, like, which it would normally no, become man. from a right. bad moment to a bad day. It, dude. I, yeah. And then it stacks and it stacks and it stacks. And, you know, then there's a long line and then I'm running behind and then, I'm, you know, and I'm just not able to regulate. And then I'm just a shit show the rest of the day. I mean, that's... Yeah, and we invite more negativity by getting into that space. And then we say, see, I told you, yep. everybody's screwing with me. But yep. it was invited. Yeah, see? We invited see? it in. <laughs> Jeff, how do people get a hold of you? Because this, like I said, I want to bring you back. We need to get another, a second talk yeah. about this stuff. Because it's, un I mean, even the basic idea you said about uh, the birth trauma, the the shock, the overwhelm of trauma mm -hmm. of, of birth. Mm -hmm. Well, look what happens when people don't have that skin to skin over the next few days and weeks and months. There's a thing called failure to thrive yep. in which babies who can be fed all they need die. That yep. is, I mean, that's a yep. whole topic by itself, but it goes directly to what you're talking about where we have to reassure the shocked new organism on earth that doesn't know what the hell's going on. Mm -hmm. And if it just stays yep. overwhelmed because I'm not getting that need met, that human need, then that person can mm -hmm. literally die for no biological yep. reason that's obvious. This is, there's powerful yep. concepts here to unpack. How do people find you right Man. now today? We don't want to make sure they can get a hold of you after this uh, via, you know, social post or yeah, whatever, pretty, you, whatever I mean, you're doing. Yeah, pretty much. I've kind of narrowed down my spectrum right now to my Instagram page. To it's So I am Mindset06 Actual on Instagram. That's pretty much where I live. You know, I've closed up my Facebook page just for my 
personal people, people I know and trust and love and get things from, get goodness from back and forth. And then, you know, of course you can follow us through Brute Force, come to the group if you want, you know, if you're a fitness person and love this stuff, uh, bruteforcetraining.com and, you know, we're Brute Force Training. We've got amazing, we've almost got 10,000 people in our Facebook group. That's just a, it's a beautiful group of people that are just out doing everything they can do every day. Super supportive and Mike and I and the team try to stay in it, try to lead it and set the standards, you know, and in judgment, negativity, psh, right you're on. gone. You know, you get once and you get a note from Jeff that says, hey, not here. And then twice. Swing the band hammer. You're not that important. Yeah, man. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Thor got nothing on <laughs> well, us when it's time to ban hammer because that, that, that doesn't that's belong. That's it, man. That's it. Just no tolerance for that. But yeah, I think that's really because I'm, I'm doing, and I tell people this, like I'm not going to post every single day. You can't rely on me for everything right now. That's just not the space I'm in. We've got so much going on. But I am beginning to push more reels, more content out. You know, my objective in life really is to just teach and share. I mean, I, I fundamentally believe that that it's just time for us to communicate in new ways. And there'll be some things we do later, uh, but but right now, you know, if you just kind of want to hang out and get a little note time to time and get a little thought from time to time, that's really right the on. best space to be. Yeah, something may come in the future, I'm sure it will, right. as we you know, navigate this and we're working on. Because our capacity changes and our awareness changes and we keep evolving our teaching. Yeah, and I'm on the phone. I mean, we're building a we're going to build a really rad team and I'm going to look at like what fundamentally is right necessary. Uh, Cause you know, I don't, I don't want to waste anybody's time yep. with stuff yep. anymore. I mean, I think we've, it's, it's, it's like with fitness, moving us to instant fitness 3.0, instinctual fitness, full system alignment. You know, I think it's time now in the personal development state and in the human system to advance us to a new way. And so I'm going to tuck in, take the time, share what I share along the way. Who knows if it'll be right? I've been wrong plenty of times. I've learned. I mean, the operation mindset course, I don't know that in the 15 years that thing's been taught, I have like every Same iteration here. of it. So I've got like, you know, a hundred different PowerPoint yep. slides, you know, that that modifying learning and growing. So come hang out. You know, that's that's why you and I get along because we're people that I believe that are like, hey, just come hang out with us and we're going to learn and explore this stuff together. And I have experience and backgrounds and an interest that maybe you don't that I can feed you you know, something that may help yep. you uh, and take a nugget away. So that's how we keep growing and delivering our best is by, by being open to that change. Dude, that's it, man. And Eric, remind uh, everybody how they get a hold of you, where they find you. Sure. You can track me down on Instagram at Eric Philip Bond. That's the probably the best space to, to track me down there. My website is competitorsmentality.com. Uh, I'm also affiliated with. Impact Actual, my good buddy here, Rob. So Eric at Impact Actual so is an email you can, can catch me at. For those who are trying to find us, impactactual.com is the site. Impact Actual is all the social presences for folks that are looking at LinkedIn and Instagram and so forth. And I'm always Rob at Impact Actual. So guys, this is really good stuff. There's a lot, lot to be leaned, uh, unpacked here. And we have a future episode already scheduled here because... <laughs> Well, not scheduled. It needs to be scheduled. This is really important concepts because it's going beyond the limits of what we assume about being badasses. Aloha. Thanks for joining us on Beyond Your Limits with Rob Dubois, the podcast that helps you destroy self-limiting beliefs, unchain your potential, and create the meaningful life you were made for. 
For more information about Impact Actual and the Impact Unchained course, visit impactactual.com. And be sure to subscribe on Apple iTunes or wherever you like to listen so you'll never miss a show. We'll see you next time on Beyond Your Limits with Rob Dubois.